0: My God, when I in awesome wonder Consider all the worlds Thy hands have made I see the stars I hear the rolling thunder Thy power throughout The universe displays Then sings my soul How great thou art, how great thou art, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art, and when I think that God, his Son, not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross my burden gladly bearing he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great How great thou art, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art, when Christ shall come with shout of acclamation
1: and take me home. Joy shall fill my
0: heart, then I shall bow with humble adoration, and there proclaim, my God, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great. My soul my savior god to thee how great thou art how great thou art oh then sings my soul my savior god to thee how great
2: be in the house of the Lord this morning. got a lot of folks out of town, so pray the Lord give them traveling mercies on their way back, either today or tomorrow, whenever they're coming back. Amen. Casting all my cares on you. I forgot my iPad, so I don't know what the keys are, so he knows them.
0: Okay. So I'm casting all my cares on you. Oh, I know my Redeemer is no longer dead. He's risen and He's coming back for you and me. So I'm casting all my care on you cause I know cast
2: all our cares on Him. Amen. He knows my name. I believe that's an
0: F. He counts the stars one and all. He knows how much sand is on the shores. He sees every sparrow that falls. He made the mountains and the seas. He's in control of everything. Of all creatures, great and small, and he knows my name, every step that I take. I KNOW I'LL BE JUST FINE CAUSE HE KNOWS MY NAME I DON'T KNOW WHAT TOMORROW WILL BRING I CAN'T TELL YOU WHAT'S IN STORE I DON'T KNOW A LOT OF
1: THINGS
0: I DON'T HAVE ALL THE ANSWERS Cause he knows my name I don't know what tomorrow will bring I can't tell you what's in store I don't know a lot of things I don't have all the answers To the questions of life My name every step Because he knows my
2: name Amen, every step we take So comforting to know that Everything we've done He knew exactly where we were going each step Amen We'll go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer this morning Um, If you did order shirts for the banquet Sister Sharon Rose has those um, And she'll be handing those out After service this morning So if you'll see her She'll get you those. And from Brother Cyril requesting prayer for a coworker, Vernita Thomas. She's having a procedure coming up soon. So let's remember Vernita Thomas with that procedure. And from Sister Joan, been a COVID outbreak at the nursing home where Sister Marilyn is at. So let's hold everybody up there, the staff, the residents, everybody, the family, Sometimes it just seems like it's one thing after another. We know God's got it all in control. We heard that Wednesday night, and he's always got it in control. Brother Siggy, would you mind coming to take us to the Lord in prayer this morning? As always, we hold our pastor up in prayer. Anybody have an unspoken prayer request this morning?
3: Heavenly Father, we approach your throne of great Lord God. grace, Lord God, this morning, Lord. and Father, we hear these requests, Lord God, that have come before us, many, Lord God, sick and afflicted, Lord, and many needing a, t- a touch from you, Lord. Spirit of a living God, we ask that you would come, Lord, and take up preeminence for each and every one of these requests, Lord. Lord, we want to step out of our way, Lord God, and we want to ask that you would come, Lord God, and take up the preeminence over each and every one, Lord God, each and every request, Lord God. For, Father, even those, Lord God, the hands that are lifted, Lord, you know the request behind each and every one of them, Lord, and we ask that you would come, Lord, and take up the preeminence over each and every one of them. Lord, your word tells us, Lord God, that, Lord God, we should bring, Lord God, our request before you and leave it there, Lord, and... Father Lord God you will Lord take up the preeminence, Lord God, and you will make it happen, Lord Jesus. And, and this morning, Lord God, we ask that you would come, Lord, and you would heal, Lord, and you would touch, Lord God, that you would strengthen, Lord God, and most of all, Lord Jesus, we pray that you would be with our precious pastor, Lord God, even as he's labored, Lord God, and prepare, Lord God, a word for us, Lord God, that you would prepare our hearts, Lord God, oh, us further ground, Lord God, to receive this word, Lord God, and oh, Father, may it go deep into our hearts, Lord God, and may we live, Lord God, by those words, Lord Jesus, spirit of a living God, oh, COVID outbreak, Lord God, oh, we, we know, Lord God, there's nothing too hard for you, Lord Jesus, and we pray that you would, Father, put a hedge over each and every one of Lord God all those 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 those, those people, Lord God, in that nursing home, Lord God. Would you touch each and every one of them, Lord? May you protect them, Lord, and touch our sister Marilyn, Lord God, and Father, strengthen her from the crown of her head to the sole of her feet, Lord Jesus, and Father. Oh, Lord God, a co-worker, Lord God, I need to touch from you, Lord Jesus. Would you go before the throne, Lord God? And Father, would you touch, Lord God, the person, Lord? And oh, heal them, Lord God, according to your perfect will, Lord Jesus. And Father, at the end of it all, we shall give you praise, Lord God. We shall give you honor and thank you for, Lord, God, what, what you've already done, Lord God. And we ask that your word will come forth, Lord God, and will oh, make fall once more on fertile ground. And Father, this will all we ask in Jesus Christ's name now and forevermore. Amen.
2: Hey, you forgive me. As soon as Brother Siggy started praying, I'd not have my iPad. I'm so forgetful. Some of you saw on Facebook, Sister Brenda's son, um, Sister Shone's brother Justin, passed away unexpectedly Friday evening, um, and there, it's just, it's really hard for them right now. I didn't even realize he was living with Sister Brenda. And that's her baby boy. And so no doubt they're taking it very hard right now. um, It's never easy to lose someone, whether expected or not. But let's just hold them up in prayer, you know, in a special way that the Lord will just comfort them like only he can. Amen. I apologize for forgetting forgetting that. God knows my heart. I wouldn't do that on purpose. But we know God can give them peace and comfort like we can't do. Pray that some of us can have words to give that will help, you know, through the Holy Spirit he will give us words to say that will help them during this hard time. Amen. Amen. So good to be in church this morning. Forgive my sweaty appearance. We had some issues here this morning and I sweat like a dog. So I apologize. I did come to church clean and dry. So I apologize for looking so rough right now let's sing uh, i feel like traveling on as you bring your mission offering this morning
0: my heavenly home is bright and fair i feel like traveling
2: forget your names from the other night, I apologize, but from Boston, God richly bless you. Happy to have you in the house of the Lord with us. Amen. I want to say I appreciate Brother Enoch filling in. He didn't get in until 6 a.m. this morning from Kentucky and then drove on in, so God bless him further for that sacrifice. I know he's probably tired. Amen. If the brothers can come receive the morning tithing offering, everybody will be happy over there. (coughs)
0: There's a happy land of promise over in the great beyond, where the same diverse shall soon his glory share, where the souls of men shall enter and live on forevermore, everybody will be happy. i Everybody will be happy over there
2: happy on this side. I know sometimes it's hard. I don't walk around with a smile on my face all the time, but we should be happy over here. Amen. Let's try that. I give myself away.
0: I give myself away. I give myself myself Give myself away, yes, Lord. I give myself.
2: think is nothing and turn it into something. Don't we serve an awesome God? Amen. Amen. He is so wonderful. Amen. We'll sing that song, Peace of God, Cover Me. So we invite our pastor out this morning, see what the Lord's laid upon his heart. Oh,
0: is that A? Oh, peace of God, cover me. Cover me, cover me, O oh, peace of- me when I'm not strong.
1: Peace of God Of God cover me, cover me, cover me, peace of God, cover me through the storm, cover me only. Cover me, cover me, cover me when I'm hurting, cover me when I'm not strong, cover me when I am going through the storm, cover me when all seems hopeless, cover me when my strength is gone. Let the peace that passes all I understand Cover me, cover me Cover me when I am hurting Cover me when I'm not strong Cover me when I am going through the storm Cover me when all seems hopeless. Cover me when my strength is gone. Oh, yes, Lord, cover me. Cover me one more time. Cover me when I'm hurting. Cover me when I'm not strong. I am going through the storm, cover me when all seems hopeless, cover me when my strength is gone, let the peace that passes all I understand, cover me, cover me.
4: pray that for Sister Brenda, Sister Sean, and the family this morning at the peace of God that passeth all understanding. I sent her a text yesterday and just let her know as her shepherd that I was constantly praying for her. I was at home when my first sister passed. I was still at home. I had, had not yet married. I was 18. My first sister that passed was 32. And I seen the grief of a mother. To lose the first child. And if you've never seen it, you have no idea. Brother Branham tells us that the only love that is close to God is a mother's love. And when a mother loses her baby child, you know, uh, mothers and fathers are not supposed to bury their children, it's all backwards. And so she told me, she wrote me back, I, I told her I, I didn't need a response, I just was letting her know that I was keeping her in prayer, and we, was, we loved her and appreciated her, I've known the Benefield family since the mid-90s, uh, so we go way back. And uh, so, she, but she did respond, and she said, thank you, Brother Daniel, I appreciate you as a shepherd and the church family, and she said, she said, right now, I need him to carry me because I'm not strong Enough to carry myself. I said, Well, sis, right now there's only one set of footprints in the sands because he's carrying you. So I sent her a song that I loved way back in the 80s called He Will Carry You and by Scott Wesley Brown. Just uh, sometimes music will give you a bit of comfort. If you listen to the lyrics, it just bring comfort and peace to your soul. So if you would, <clears throat> I have been, uh, so grieved in my spirit because there's when something like this happens a young man of 38 years of age drops dead in the hospital parking lot and you have no answers so many questions no answers but there's one that has all the answers so I go to the rock That is higher than I. And so I've been going to him quite frequently since Friday. Asking him, Lord, I need a word. I need a word. I need a word of encouragement. I need a word of strength. I need a word of comfort. I need a word that will help the family. And so far he's given me three. And that makes it a whole lot easier when you have to do a funeral. And the funeral will be on Tuesday. We don't know the exact time as of yet. Uh, They're making the arrangements today, so as soon as we have all the arrangements, we will put them on Facebook and on the webpage, uh, the website as well, so you can be checking on that, and I'll have Brother Brian send out a a text as well, so everybody will know what is going on. Also, I wanted to mention this morning that Brother Mike, Sister Angie, you have a special, very special, unspoken prayer request. God knows the need, and when I say very, very special, it is indeed dire, so if you would, Hold that up before the Lord. Uh, If you think about them, think about that. Um, Just hold them up in the family before the Lord. My God is still able. I'm standing here this morning as a living witness, a living testimony of what God can do, what he has done, what he's able to do, what he's capable of doing, and he's not changed, and he will not change. If we have enough faith to appropriate what he said in his word, he will keep his word. On everything that he said, he's not a man that he will allow. Praise the Lord. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Genesis 22. We have a new member of Word of Life Tabernacle this morning. And uh, it's not quite big enough to stand so you can applaud, but uh, Sister Kenesha gave birth to uh, the little one on Wednesday. And uh, so if we can't convert people, we'll just birth them. (laughs) And we also have one in the oven, uh, one that's on the way. Sister Divine is expecting, Brother Joseph is expecting, and so you keep them in your prayers. Anybody that's bringing children into this world, they need your prayers. (laughs) And parents said, (laughs) a hearty amen. And uh, those of you that have weddings planned, we pray for you. Because most likely children are in your future if God tarries, so we pray for you as well. Today is the day 10 years ago today at 5:53 this afternoon that God brought two twins into this world and brought them into our lives and we have never been the same. And I thank God for Ava and Archer that God gave them to us from the foundation of the world. And they were premature so they had to be in the NICU for almost 3 weeks. Uh, Archer was just uh, just a hair over five pounds, and Ava was just a little bit over four pounds. And so they had to be in the incubators, and uh, and so God was gracious to them, and we got to bring them home from the hospital. That doesn't happen very often, uh, but God made, made a way. He's still God, Jehovah, Jireh,
1: Amen.
4: that will provide a way where there seems to be no way. And I'm going to continue on this morning on the subject, What's in the Name? And we will start with his first one, which was Jehovah Jireh, Genesis 22, verse 1. I didn't mean to keep you standing this long, but we'll stand in line at an amusement park for a ride that lasts 30 seconds. Oh, it got quiet on that one, didn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it got quiet on that one. Genesis 22, verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac. You know, he only had one. Abram had Ishmael. Abraham had Isaac. Take thou thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah. And offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide he ye here with the ass and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. We will go worship and come again to you. I want you to bear this in mind now that Abraham is looking beyond the death of his son because God had already promised that through this seed it would be as the sands of the seashore through Isaac. So in, in Abraham's mind, he knew that he, if he had to kill his son, God was obligated to raise him up. So he prophesied, he said, we're going to offer, but we're coming back, the, the two of us. Now he knew what God had told him to offer Isaac as an offering. But he also knew that God had promised a genealogy through Isaac. We will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. This is the cross on Jesus' back. The wood on Isaac was the wood on Jesus. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they went both of them together. Notice Isaac only carried the wood and Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said my father and he said here I am I my son and he said behold the fire and the wood but where is the lamb for a burnt offering and Abraham said my son God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering so they went both of them together they came to the place which God had told him of and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood as Jesus was bound and laid upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, And he said, Here am I, the knife is still in the air. He said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. May God, add his blessings to the reading of his word, you can be seated this morning. Are you happy in the Lord? Are you weary this morning? Oh, don't sit there and lie to me. We're all weary. (laughs) I'm not talking about in your soul. I'm talking about in your flesh. The Bible says in the last days that Satan would wear out the saints. And I tell you what, that prophecy has directly come to pass in my life. I ain't but 52, but I feel like sometimes I'm 82. And I get a few amens on that. I want to know what kind of pills some of you are taking. But you know, you know, isn't it something when you come to the house of God, no matter how tired you were or how, how depleted you were, something just lifts your spirits. When you come into the sanctuary, into the house of God that's been dedicated to the worship of the Lamb of God, something just happens to you and you're not as tired as you was. You don't feel the load of Laodicea no more. That's why this is called a sanctuary. That's why he said where two or more would gather in my name, I'll be there. And when he does, he gives us comfort. He gives us strength. He gives us peace. He gives us whatever we have need of when you come expecting that. And I'm telling you, he has never let me down. Friend, I have come to this church in agonizing pain. But knowing once I got under the anointing, everything was going to be all right. And when we get under that anointing, I'm going to tell you, everything's going to be all right. And we are the anointed ones at the end time. Everybody is anointed by something, but we are God's anointed. We have the Christ anointing on us. And I want to speak to you this morning on a very simple subject, yet deeply profound at the same time, that interestingly enough, God did not reveal a name of himself to the Old Testament other than the seven compound redemptive names. He was known as God. He was known as Elohim. He was known as Adonai. He was known as different titles. He was known as different things throughout the Old Testament. But he never carried a permanent name until he came in the form of a man that we call Jesus. Now we call Jesus God. That's the name of God. That's why we baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because He is God. Amen. That's now His permanent name. But in the Old Testament, He had not a permanent name. Abraham, uh, Moses asked, it, asked him, Who shall I tell sent me? He didn't give him a name. He just said, I'm I am that I am. He didn't give him a name. But a name is not just a, a title that you put over a church door. You can put church over a doghouse and it don't make it a church. You have to understand a name is a reputation. As I read last week where Solomon said a good name is better to be uh, uh, sought after than riches and silver and gold. That's not just your name that your parents give you. That's your reputation. Your name that your parents give you go along with that reputation. And once your reputation is built, then when people hear that name that's associated with that reputation, then they know what that person did. Amen. So that name is identified with that reputation. When, when those of you that lived in the 90s and knew what happened with the administ- administration under Bill Clinton, with Monica Lewinsky, and you hear the name Bill Clinton, I'm sorry, but one of the first things come to my mind is the scandal with Monica Lewinsky because that's what I remember. He was in office for eight years. He might have done a lot of good things. I doubt it, but he might have. But the one thing that he left his legacy in office in the White House, his legacy in the White House is his affair with Monica Lewinsky. That's his reputation. When you hear of other names that have done things and you hear of mass murderers, if I called, if I called some of their names that was in the news, that have been in the news, and, and you would affiliate that name with a serial killer because that's their reputation. And God himself has built a reputation for 6,000 years. And his reputation has never failed one time. He's always been the same. When you meet him on the grounds of faith in in his written word, he always acts the same. But understand, he only moves by faith. It's faith that moves God. It's not only belief because the devil believes. Sinners believe in God, but it's not just belief, it's a revelation. It's faith in God. It's a revelation in God. That you know that he is God. And there is no other beside him. And God has given you a a revelation. You hear this morning that have a revelation of your salvation. You have a revelation of your sanctification. You have a revelation of your baptism of the Holy Ghost. You have a revelation of of the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. And nobody can take that from you. That's not just a belief. That is a revelation. And that's what's going to take you in a rapture. Is that revelation. Because that's your anchor. That's your foundation. And God has built him a a reputation throughout all these 6,000 years that the earth, since Adam. And so when he comes in the book of Genesis, he has to start in the book of Genesis, it's the seed book of the Bible. And it's interesting to me that the name Jehovah Jireh is only mentioned one time in the entire canon of scripture. Because God didn't have to name it more than once. Because once he says it, that settles it. He doesn't have to say it again. And it's interesting that when God, uh, when God uh, tells Abraham to, do, uh, to take his son and offer him as a burnt sacrifice, what we have to do to understand that this setting in Genesis 22, we have to go back in time in Abraham's life. When God came to him in Genesis 12 and said, Get thee out of thy country and from thy father's house and from thy kindred, unto a land that I will show thee, because Abram was a, was a heathen. He was a Babylonian. He was an idol worshiper. He had a heathen name. His name Abram meant high father. Had nothing to do with God. He had nothing to do with Jehovah, but God elected and chose him and called him out of his father's house, out from his kindred, out from Babylon, to make a new race, a Hebrew race from this one man. And so he calls him and he promises him and tells him that he's going to have a son. Now, at this time of his life, he is 75 and, he, and Sarai is 65. Now, that within, it, within itself is, more times than not, it is beyond the age of bearing children. Most people don't, don't decide to start a family at 75 and 65. Most of the time, at 75 and 65, you're great-grandparents if you've had children, and here God is telling them, it's time you start a family. But see, understand now, the reason they couldn't start a family is not because Sarah was old, she was barren. And for all these years, they had lived together, and no children. And all of a sudden, God comes down and tells Abram, I'm gonna give you a son from her. Well, years rock on and they're getting older and the promise is not fulfilled. No son, no pregnancy, no monthly cycle with, with Sarah. Nothing's changed but their age, their body's getting older. So, because of doubt getting in the camp... Sarai comes to Abram and says, why don't we help God out? Why don't we give God a hand with this promise? You've got another wife that you took out of Egypt. Why don't you go in unto her? She's not barren. She's not past the age of barren children. And we'll have a son through Hagar. And because of her unbelief, It produced a wild ass man. That's literally the meaning. I'm not cussing. I'm telling you the literal meaning of the name Ishmael. One that cannot be regenerated. One that cannot be converted. They are the terrorists that hit 9-11. They are the ones that the the Palestinians over in Israel that, that are trying to take Jerusalem. The seed of Ishmael. And the prophecy was his hand will be against every man and every man's hand will be against him and it's been forever the same. It's never changed from that time till now. But that was not God's perfect plan. Even though Abraham asked God that Ishmael would be the one. He even asked God, let, 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 let Ishmael be the one and God said no he's not the promised son I'm going to give you what I promised you right. Amen. now I want you to understand that the, through the, uh, through the uh, Old Testament into the New Testament as I said last Sunday when Hebrews 11 was written it tells us no, nothing about doubt fear or unbelief in the life of Abraham right. it says he staggered not right. through unbelief right. giving strong praise unto God so what, what we know by the drama that the prophet lays out for us was that they, they went ahead and made a boy's room. Painted it blue or whatever and made it, you know, got everything ready. They, they was providing for the provision. I'm gonna say that again. They was providing for the provision. God was gonna provide the son, but they provided the room. Like I told you last Sunday, point to the seat beside you and save that seat for your lost loved one. Go ahead and get ready for the promise to come to pass because he is Jehovah, our provider. So you've got to expect him and and go ahead and make provision for him to provide. You've got to expect the provider to provide what he said he would provide. So they went ahead and made provision for the provider. They didn't wait until Isaac was born and make the room. They made the room long before Isaac was born. Do you understand what I'm saying? When God gives you a word, he don't, most of the time he don't tell you when it's going to happen. He just gives you a word. He gives you a, an unction. He gives you a revelation, but he don't tell you when it's going to happen. But you know within yourself, it's gonna happen sometime. So you've gotta make provision for the provider. You've gotta go ahead and witness. I'm already healed. My kids are already saved. I've already got my job. The door is already open. God has already made a way. I may not see it, I may not hear it, I may not smell it, but God has already made a way. I'm not gonna stagger at the promise of God because I know who made the promise. It's not about the promise, it's about the one that made the promise, the one that can't lie, the one that can't go back on his promise. That's where my anchor holds within the veil, is in the one that cannot lie. It's not that God won't lie, it's that God can't lie. It's not within the capability of God to tell a lie. Now, we are born with the capability of lying. Children lie all the time. People still lie. We were born with that ability, but God does not have the ability to lie. He cannot lie because he's not a man. Men lie all the time. Women too. When I say man, I mean mankind. I ain't talking about just males. You understand? We're all included in this. Your sister thought you was getting off scot free. No. If we ain't careful, all of us will sometimes, you know, fudge the truth just a little bit. Boy, Especially if around April fifteenth. We well, let's go on. Don't want to don't want to pay Uncle Sam more than we sh- think we should. Anyway. So, God does not just that he won't lie he can't lie he can't go back on his word and remain God he can't make a promise and say oh you know what I've changed my mind God cannot change his mind about his word now God did change his mind several times in the scriptures but that was not his perfect will I promise you this one thing you don't want God to change his mind He changed his mind about Hezekiah and gave him 15 extra years and in those 15 extra years he backslid. It'd been better off if he had died when God told him he was going to die but he turned his face to the wall and asked God for more time and Isaiah wasn't even out of the courtroom yet and God turned him around and said I'll give you 15 more years. No doubt embarrassing to the prophet Isaiah but that's what God told him to do. And then those 15 years, Hezekiah backslid and died a backslider. So you don't want the permissive will of God. You don't want God to change his mind about his word. You want God's perfect. Well, some of you are quiet. Your will and God's will doesn't have to meet. You better submit yours to his. You'll be in a heap of trouble. I know some of you got wants and desires and things you want in life, but if it don't match his, you better throw yours in the garbage. Because we've all got things that we want, all got desires, all got plans, and all got things in the future that we're looking to do, but that don't mean God does. And if a door don't open, don't you kick it in. Oh, there's 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 a saying when the, there, when there's no door open, look for a window. That ain't in the Bible. God didn't tell us to crawl in. Hell, oh, hello, somebody. I ain't looking for no window to climb. I've, I've had to climb in windows before. Come to the house and I, my wife's got the house key. I don't have a key to my own house. I feel like the devil. But I know somewhere around the house on the bottom floor, one of my kids has left a window unlocked. So I feel like a cat burglar and I'm walking around my house trying to lift every window up and sure enough, there's one. And I got to get in the house. I'm not staying out here in this car. So you know what I do? A grown man crawling through a window over the furniture and over the coffee table I ain't hardly able to crawl out of bed, much less through a window. Don't be looking for no window. If a door ain't open, you stand still and wait for him to open a door for you because he will provide. He will supply all your need according to his riches and glory. Oh, praise the Lord. I feel like preaching. Abraham and Sarah started making provision for the provider. They started telling the news, we're going to have a son. That's why Brother Branham gives us the drama that people thought they was nuts. Thought they was out of their mind. Thought they needed to be in a mental institution. We're going to have a son. Are you crazy? Have you looked in the mirror lately, Abraham? Have you looked in the mirror, Sarah? You're too old. You're barren. He said we're going to have a son. And then the New Testament says they staggered not. So Abraham knows a little bit of something about God providing. Understand that Abraham has already witnessed the providing hand of Jehovah. When one morning he woke up and looked at, if they had mirrors, or if they could look in the, in the water and see their reflection however they did it, And one morning got up and looked and the wrinkles were gone. And the gray hair was gone. Come on somebody. And Sarah looked in whatever she looked into. You know a woman's got to have something to look into. Uh huh. And all of a sudden the the crow's feet are gone. She didn't need the oil of Olay no more. She didn't need the latest creams that would take all the wrinkles away and All the things you put in your bathtub to make you uh, turn it into the fountain of youth. She is now back to a young woman. And all of a sudden, uh, Abraham and Sarah are having pleasure as man and wife again because she questions God. In Genesis 18, questions God. Shall we have pleasure again with my Lord? Shall we have a union as man and wife again? Those days are long gone. And this is when God, Elohim, came down in a flesh body and turned to her and said, Is anything too hard for the Lord? You understand who visited them? Was God Almighty veiled in a flesh body? Oh, I'm going to say it and I'm going to just herald it the devil while I can and give him two black eyes at the same time. We have been visited in this generation by Elohim veiled in a flesh body. Just before the coming sun. They was visited by God Almighty and two angels. Just before the coming sun. We were visited by an angel that was God veiled in the flesh and two angels to Sodom and Gomorrah. Let me tell you, my friend, all three of them witnesses are dead and gone. What's next? The coming son. We ain't looking for no more signs. We've had our last sign. Prophet God told us in the seventh seal, this is your last sign. And if anything else rises uh, besides this, call me a false prophet. What's next after the uh, after the, uh, the the three men left? The promised son. Sarah now receives a body change, and she gives birth. And now they see that God has provided for them this child at 100 years old and 90. So when God came down to Abraham in Genesis 22 and said, and said take now thy son, thine only son, and offer him as a, burnt, as, a, a, as a sacrifice unto me, unto the mountain that I will show thee, Abraham had already experienced God the provider. That's why he used the word God will provide. Before God revealed himself as Jehovah-Jireh, Abraham said, God will provide. Amen. Let me tell you what Abraham did. He called God on the scene and he spoke that ram into existence. That's according to a prophet of God. He said they was too high up in elevation for no animals to be. There should be no ram caught in a thicket at that high of an elevation. He said when Abraham said that God will provide himself a sacrifice, he spoke that ram into existence. And he used the word provide. That's why he named that place over the top of Mount Moriah, Jehovah Jireh, because God provided. And I'm gonna tell you those uh, that are here or under the sound of my voice that aren't saved. The only place you can witness God as Jehovah your provider is at Mount Moriah. It was that place that was called Jehovah Jireh, and that was the same place where Jesus died. And if you don't go to Calvary, He ain't your provider. I don't care if you go to church. I don't care if you pay your tithes and your offerings. I don't care if you're just right. If you ain't ever went to Calvary and repented of all your sins and been baptized in Jesus' name, you can do all the works that you want to do, but if you ain't met Jesus on the holy grounds of Calvary, he is not your provider. Because he called that place Jehovah Jireh. That's why it says, to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. In the mount of the Lord. That means you've got to be there in order for him to be your provider. That's where Jehovah Jireh will be seen. Don't spend a day in your life without visiting Calvary. Because I'm going to tell you right now, friend, had it not been for a cross, had it not been for a cross, the whole world's going to hell. Because there had to be a human sacrifice. There had to be a perfect sacrifice. And had it not been for a place called Mount Calvary, then forever my soul would be lost. And if you don't visit Mount Calvary on your knees in submission to God, with your hands raised as a sign of surrenderance, he is not your provider you have to be in the Mount Calvary in order for him to be Jehovah Jireh to you. There's a lot of people want him to provide for them but they've never visited Mount Calvary. He didn't name God Jehovah Jireh. Do I have to read it again? And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. Because that's what God did at that place was provide himself a sacrifice. So what God did on that mountain, Abraham attributed what God did to the place as provision. Because that's what he said to the young men. The Lord will provide. So when God provided, he named that place Jehovah-Jireh because God did exactly what he said he would do. The Lord did provide. Amen. But let me tell you, friend, you've got to be at the right place. In order for him to be your provider, you've got to be at the right place. I've said it before, you've got to be at the right church. you got to be under the right ministry. There are people that are watching right now or will watch on the archive. You know you're sitting in the wrong church. Don't you be afraid of your pastor. He's not God. Get out of that hell hole and go where God tells you to go. He don't own you. He's not a dictator. God will make a way for you to go where he needs you to go. You wonder why God ain't provided for you lately? It's because you ain't where you're supposed to be. Thank you, for the truth, Lord. you wonder why things ain't happened. You wonder why God ain't been moving. You wonder why miracles ain't been happening. Well, where are you at? You got to be at the right place in your spiritual walk. Well, I can't sit down no more. You can't just live any old kind of life and gom around with the world and shake hands with the world and buddy up the world and then come to church and act all holy and expect him to be your provider. God's not an aspirin bottle. They treat him like an aspirin bottle and they only take him down when they need him. When they need something from God, then all of, all of a sudden they become, they become uh, Christians, become righteous and go to church until everything kind of smooths out, then they hit the door again. Friend, I've been in church all my life. I've seen them come and go. My phone has rung off the hook for 23 years of people that's wanting things from me or the church. They ain't wanting God, they want money and I've turned them all down. All oh, you say, us is a church, it ought to be helping people. I'm helping you. You're the ones I'm called to. I ain't called to the rest of them out there. You wanna come get God first? We take care of our own. It's not my job to feed the world. Brother Branham said missionary work starts at home. If you don't take care of your own, you're not a real missionary. Go to El Salvador and Ecuador. Won't go next door. Won't take care of your own. That's why I've made it a point to try to take care of my people first. Because that's what I'm told to do. You're my sheep. They ain't my sheep. I had my phone ring off the hook. People call wanting their bills paid and wanting money and wanting this, that, and the other. Said, Look, this ain't a bank. This is a hospital. Sounds like to me, you're pretty sick. And you think, you think we're just handing out $100 bills. No, you need to go down the road to the mega church and talk to the pastor, pastor that's got mega millions and ask him for it. Because all I got to tell you is like Peter and John, silver and gold have I none. But such as I do have, give I unto thee. people want the blessings of God but they don't want the correction of God oh yeah they want the blessings of God but they don't want the correction of God the blessings of God don't mean you're his son or daughter but the correction does you better thank God more for the correction than you do the blessing so Abraham let me move on I got a lot to go to and I ain't got much time that whole screen's off, not 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 just a clock. The whole screen's off, man. A lie. So Abraham names this place Jehovah Jireh because of what God did at this place, and it's the only time in the entire canon of Scripture Jehovah Jireh is mentioned. One time. I ask you this question. How many times does God have to tell you he loves you? Oh, but see, uh, we as humans, we want to hear it all the time. Especially women. You hadn't told me lately. (laughs) We ain't had a date lately. I haven't felt dately lately. (laughs) <laughs> some things that come to my mind I shouldn't say <laughs> it's, been, it's been so long since you told me don't you love me no more <laughs> my dad told a story and I, I don't know if it's true or not but most of you heard it The wife came to her husband and said you ain't told me in a long time you loved me he said I Told you when we got married, I loved you. If it ever changes, I'll let you know. (laughs) For one time, for God to tell me I belong to him. I'm his son. He's my father. I don't need him to tell me again. That becomes an anchor. He told me. He told me I belong to Him. I'm a part of Him. Friend, that will never leave you. That will never leave your spirit. That will never leave your memory. When He revelates you into a sphere, into an atmosphere that you know that you belong to Him. You're from another world. You don't belong here. You're an alien. You're a stranger. You don't fit in, so quit trying. You'll never fit in. Because you're from another world. You're from another kingdom. We are aliens and strangers here. We're seeking another another kingdom, another city that is to come. Um, the, The song says, I'm looking for a city where we'll never die. This place we live, we've just tasted it Friday. People still die people still have hurt and pain and heartache, sorrow and grief and disease and sickness and hospice and all the horrible things families go through. This ain't the the final place for us. If, If this is the finality, I'm very disappointed. Those that are preaching, we're in the millennium. I'm really mad. Somebody lied to me. It was supposed to be a millennial reign, a, a thousand years of peace. I don't get a second of peace. <laughs> do, do, can, can you believe that preachers are actually preaching we're in the millennium? Because they say that, God, that Christ came in 63, so, so after the coming of Christ, and then the two and a half years after the coming of Christ, which, which was 63 and a half all the way to 65, is two and a, three and a half years. And so um, they say, that was the marriage supper of the Lamb. I've sat down and talked to these people. You're not looking at a man that just heard it. i talked to them. They told me out of their own mouth. From the time the angel met Brother Branham in 62 and a half, from then until 65 is three and a half years. And they said, that was the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so the marriage supper of the Lamb was the opening of the seals and all the messages that was preached until 1965. And now we're in the millennium. Is anybody happy about that? No, I'm upset if this is a millennium. I'm very disappointed. Matter of fact, my Bible lied to me. My Bible said that Satan will be bound with a chain. That he won't be able to bother me for a thousand years. Somebody's lying. So I'm telling you that If you ever hear that nonsense, you just let it go in this year and out this one. Because that's what it is, nonsense. They make up their own theories about what they think happened in 1963. And then they come up with that. No, there is a millennial reign coming. And it's after all the sorrow, after all the heartache, after all the pain. Listen, friend, one of these days, it'll all be over. The toils of this life will seem as nothing when we get to the end of the way. God there in Mount Moriah proved himself to be the provider. The angel comes down and Abraham has every intent of plunging the knife in the heart of his son. And Abraham had no idea what God's plan was. God didn't tell him. God said go offer him as a sacrifice. That's it. So this is exactly the obedience to the word of God. The the What I read to you this morning. Abraham never even answered God except for here am I. When God said take your son your only son whom thou lovest and offer him as a sacrifice on the mountain I will show thee. And Abraham got up, saddled his donkey, took his servants, and headed that direction. He didn't say, "Hey, hey, God, wait a minute. You promised me this boy, and I waited 25 years for him, and now you're going to take him from me? Never argued with God, never reasoned with God because he had already seen God as a provider. He had already witnessed God as a provider. Can I get any witnesses this morning that you've witnessed God as a provider? Then why would you doubt that he's not gonna provide again? That's why even though Abraham didn't know what God was gonna do, Abraham said, the child and I will go and worship and we're coming back. He did not know God's plan. But he knew that both of them was going and coming. Because he used the word provide and that's exactly what God did for him. And when you're in a situation, your back is against a wall, you're in between a rock and a hard place, you don't know which way to turn. And you know God has provided for you before, you stand still and say, God will provide again. I've seen him at work before and I'm gonna see him at work again. Why should this situation be any different? He's still Jehovah Jireh. Whatever he was in the Old Testament, he was all that in Jesus. Every redemptive name of Jehovah in the Old Testament was all in Jesus. He fulfilled all seven of them. And if you have Jesus in you, You've got all seven of them at your disposal. There ain't a person here this morning under the sound of my voice that doesn't need God to provide something for you or something for a family member or something for a friend. You need God's provisions in your life. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, whatever job you have, God provided it. Whatever home you have, God provided it. Whatever car you have, God provided it. Whatever health you have, God provided it. Oh, no, I'm healthy because I eat right. There are people that eat right every day and fall, fall dead of a heart attack. My father lived to be 89. I, I don't know if he ever exercised a day in his life. Outside the, t- the two years he was in the army, I know he exercised then. But he was not a fitness freak. He didn't get up five o'clock in the morning and run six miles. And I'm not against that. If you feel to do that, God bless you. I'll clock you. I got nothing against it. You want to go to the gym? I'll hold your water bottle. I'm I'm not against none of that. I used to work out. I used to go to the gym. But I'm not able anymore. The only gym I know is a man named Jim. <laughs> the only fitness I know is I'm fitting a fitness foot in a shoe. Some of y'all didn't get that. You ain't hillbilly enough. <laughs> you think you're this? Right. <laughs> Somebody hold up somebody hold up a pair of britches and say, Thank you, fitness. That's what kind of fitness I know about. My wife will pull out a pair of britches off the washer. and say, so I can't fit in that. Can you fit in this? No, nope, can't fit in that. So your health, you God, is not because of what you do, not because your protein drinks, not because your cliff bars. I'm stepping on a few toes and I ain't meaning to. You keep doing what you're doing. God bless your heart. If you can do it, keep on doing it till you're 150. Keep on keeping on and I'll, I'll be your cheerleader. But I'm here to tell you, whatever you have, God give it to you. And you, better, and you better acknowledge everything you have, God give it to you. And everything you have, you better thank God for giving it to you. Because you didn't get it on your own. And I'm going to tell you why some of you don't have much. And you're jealous because other people have more than you do. Well, other people have a revelation of giving. God still works by laws. Jesus, take the wheel. You don't sow, you don't reap. People just sit back, well, I'm God's son. He's going to bless me. Not if you don't sow. He works by laws. Mm. See, automatically people think I'm talking about money. You can sow in all kinds of ways. All kinds of ways you can sow seeds. And people do. People sow in all kinds of ways. They got got two nickels to rub together, but they sow. They sow of themselves. They give them themselves. Give of their time. Give of their effort. Give of their energy. Hello. Take the time to call somebody. Take the time to visit somebody. When they themselves probably need somebody to visit them and put their health on the back burner and go visit somebody else. You ain't gonna reap unless you sow. And then then people get all uh, uh, huffy about somebody driving in with a new vehicle. (laughs) And yours barely got here. Oh, and then people get so jealous. God's blessing so-and-so. And and he ain't blessing me. That attitude right there alone means you ain't worthy of a blessing. Keep driving that putt-putt-mobile. Uh, That's all God will let you have. Just enough to get you from point A to point B. Oh, it's quiet. I can't have a house like they got. Well, you could. There's no limit to what you could have. I said, there's no limit to what you could have. You sow enough seeds, you reap enough harvest. How do I get off on that? That's how God provides. He gives us laws. He gives us people in our circle of our life that gives to us. He said, I will cause men to give to your bosom. God uses people to fulfill his will. It's not them doing it, it's God using them to do it. It's still God doing it. But he has to use tools, vessels. But there's times in our life, there comes times in all of our lives if you haven't reached one, you will. That not, not a soul on this earth can help you. There's not a soul on this planet you can turn to for help. There's only one. And if you don't turn to him, he won't be your provider. I'm telling you right now, friends, You're looking at a man speaking from experience. Mm. At a place to where there's nobody I can call. Mm. Not a soul on this earth that I can call to do anything about a situation I'm in. Mm. Not a soul on this planet that I know of Mm. that can can correct something Mm. in my life. Mm. It is completely out of my hands. Mm. My back's to the wall. I've got no other resources to turn to. But Jehovah Jireh. And I'm going to tell you this right now. I've seen him move before. And I don't know why he's waited so long. That's his business. He didn't tell me when he's going to provide. He just told me I am your provider. And when it happens, you'll know. Because you'll hear me holler. Because I'm telling you it's going to happen. Either that or he's the biggest liar ever been. He is my provider. But sometimes he puts us in a place to where he's the only one that can help us. You got to turn to him. There's nobody else that can help you out of this trap that you're in. Out of this situation, that this issue that you're in. And it's no fault of your own. It's just a situation of life. That has put you in a corner. Yeah. And there's no way out. Who was Abraham going to turn to? Who was he going to turn to? To save his boy's life. Had, had he plunged the knife into the bosom of his son. Who's he going to turn to? There's nobody else to turn to at this point. He left the, 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 uh, the, his servants at the bottom of the mountain. There's nowhere else to turn the knife in the air. Fixed and go with a downward plunge into the son that he loved so much. Willing to obey God to the fullest. And the angel screamed out, Abraham! Abraham! And he said again, Here am I. Stay thy hand. Do your son no harm. For now I know Oh, wow. What do you mean now? I waited 25 years for this boy. He's almost a teenager now. I've had him all this time. And now you're going to take him from me. And I waited and I, I, I staggered not through unbelief. And I painted the room blue and I made provisions. I, got, I made ready everything for the boy to, to, to be born. And I waited 25 years. And now you know? You didn't know after 25 years? Now you know because he was willing to give up what he loved the most. Oh, 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 I'm going somewhere. You know what we all love the most? The one you looked at in the mirror. And if you're not willing to give that one up. Mm-hmm. He'll not say now I know that you fear God. Mm-hmm. And you love me above everything else. You got to lay yourself on the altar and be willing to give up your own self. Your own sacrifice of your own self will. Amen. Amen. To prepare your bodies as a living sacrifice. Come on friend. A living sacrifice to put your will on the back burner, and say that's not important. That's just carnality. I want the things of God in my life. Come on. I want the things of God in my life. I don't need things of this world. We don't need more junk. We don't need more things. We don't need more toys. We need more of the word. We need more of God. We need more of the anointing. We need more of the spirit of God. We don't need the latest fashions. What we have, we should be content with. That God has provided our needs. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Never. Never. And the righteous will never be forsaken. Amen. And his seed never will be begging bread. That's, that saith the word of God. Let me read you first a, a few scripture verses. God, even, even in the times of our temptation, in the times where, where things are trying to overtake us and things are trying to pull us away from God, the, the, the Bible says no temptation has overtaken a man Amen. unless God makes a way mm. of escape. All right. All right. So whatever you fell in, whatever you did, mm. was your fault. Amen. Mm. Right. Because every temptation, right. there was a way of escape. Right. You can always say No. I I know that that word no is no longer in the English language because nobody likes to hear no, especially as children. No does not register to a child. When the daddy says no, he goes to mama. Mama says no, it don't register. She says no, he goes back to daddy. Daddy says no, it still don't register. They don't understand no. All they understand is yes. They're waiting for a yes, and they're trying to wear them down enough to where one of them will say okay, okay, go and do it. Instead of beating the hide off of them. I knew better than to go back and forth for my mom and daddy. When one said no, that was it. If I went to my daddy and asked him something, he'd say, what'd your mama say? Well, that's the reason I'm here. Because she said no. He said, well, I say no. I got you. We're good. I'm not gonna try to turn your change your mind. Cause he would quick draw McGraw. <laughs> Daddy didn't play no games. <laughs> some, of, some of you have no idea who quick draw McGraw is. You never you never you never had the <laughs> the Saturday morning cartoons to watch quick draw McGraw. The horse that was the quick draw McGraw. Anyway. My dad was quick drawing McGraw with the belt. Don't push him too far. He didn't have much tolerance for idiocy. The kids today, they don't know what it means. They don't know know the sound of a belt going through belt loops. I can remember, I can still remember. (laughs) <laughs> and you weren't quick enough to get out of the way. He could unbuckle and have it off. And he didn't care if his britches hit the floor. You was getting a whooping. <laughs> <laughs> Our kids today are so spoiled, rotten. Let me take home some of these kids around here. They can't behave. Let me have them for a week. Oh, quiet in here, boy. I'll put the fear of God in them. Y- 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 you'll receive a brand new child. You will look at your child and say, who are you and what did you do with my child? Mm-hmm. We say we believe the Bible and we don't parent like the Bible says to parent. Oh, It's bouncing all around this building. Tell me how to parent. Oh, I will tell you how to parent. I am your shepherd. I am your pastor. And I'm going to tell you everything you need to know to get through this life. Even how to parent. Because I was raised the Bible way and I turned out just fine. And if you raise them the Bible way, They'll turn out all right. I don't care if they do leave church. They'll still turn out all right. But you've got to raise them right first. See, in order for that not to depart from them, they've got to be raised in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Then when they're old, it won't depart from them. But you've got to raise them right first. Well, praise the Lord. 2 Corinthians 9. <laughs> Uh, my time's done gone. Second Corinthians nine, verse six. Don't worry. I'm not going to preach preach on verse six. It's just part of it's just part of the scripture reading. But this I say, Paul says, he which soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. And the church said, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. And the church said, every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, always, having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. That's our provider that ye may abound in all things. Listen to this again. Some of you, his belly's growling. He's able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency, that he gives you what is sufficient. That's what he told Paul when Paul prayed three times about his eyesight. My grace is sufficient. And Paul never prayed about his eyes again. Because the grace was sufficient. So whatever God gives you will be sufficient. Having all sufficiency in how many things? All things may abound to every good work. This is what God wants to do in our lives for, our, for, for the works of our hands to abound, for it to grow, for it to prosper. God don't want to raise dirt-poor children. I don't believe God's people ought to be in poverty. God's made a way out of poverty. If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. I'm just telling you, God's made a way to get out of it. But you gotta be the one that the, 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 the has to fulfill the part about being the cheerful giver. Well, I gotta put an offering in or I won't get nothing back. No harvest for you. That's not Cheerful. Some of you heard this story before. Just plug your ears. Some of you haven't. And I'm closing. Before I got married, I was looking for a wife. And I was visiting churches. And I went to a Pentecostal church. Hey, at that time, I I mean, I thought Pentecostal was just a good message as far as I was concerned at that age. I won't go any deeper in that. I have a wife that I have to ride home with. But anyway, I was there on the back row, you know, so you could look over the whole congregation. And I was there in the service, and they had their shouting time and their dancing time, and they had their music and everything and their worship, and they shouted their bobby pins down and they run around the church and they did all this. And so finally, after all that pep rally, the pastor gets up and he says these words, it's offering time at New Life Assembly. And they went nuts. Clapping and hollering. I mean, literally like at a ball game. I mean, jumping up out of their seats, hollering. I said, well, at least they're cheerful about it. We take up the offering here and you watch people come up here to give the missionary offering. And those that don't. And those that hand the money to kids walking down the aisle. Hey, take this up there. I don't want to go up there. Take this up there. And then they go back there and it takes them about four seconds to count it. Oh, it's quiet in here. Boy, it's quiet in here. Oh, I, I, watch, I watch the service sometimes. And I see you people, and you people that don't partake, and you people that don't give. And I don't see very many smiles. When it comes to money it's amazing it's, for some reason in the in the message and I'm going to tell you, tell you part of the reason is because the denominations has perverted the prosperity message so the people the ministers in the message are afraid of the doctrine when it is biblical yes sir absolutely it is biblical because I could show you in the church ages God looked down and he said, I know, I see your poverty, but thou art rich. Yes. I know, I know we, we think of a man, we think of Elon Musk, and we think of uh, Jeff Bezos, and we think of these men that are multi billionaires. We think of uh, Bill Gates, and we think of all well, these men. All these, these men don't know money. Yeah. Have you ever read about Solomon? which is in the sonship of the kingdom. Yeah. So you understand we're not in the fatherhood of the kingdom. The fatherhood of the kingdom is Old Testament. That's David, King David. He had blood on his hands so he couldn't build the temple. So, so, so the temple was not built under David because he was a warrior. He spilled blood. So did God in the Old Testament. You, 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 know, you want to know how many times God killed people in the Old Testament? He had blood on his hands. So a permanent tabernacle could not be built, just a temporary one. Under the fatherhood, which was King David. He wanted to build one. And Nathan said, no, your son will. So God's permanent tabernacle becomes his son, Jesus. So we're not in the fatherhood part of the kingdom. We're in the sonship part of the kingdom. And it was an age of prosperity. Matter of fact, Brother Branham said, Solomon's reign was a type of the millennium. And yet we expect everybody in the message to be poor. Scraping the bottom of the barrel when we're under Solomon's reign. Joseph's name was Prince of Prosperity. Mm-hmm. Oh, but people are afraid of it because, because of what the denominations has done to the doctrine and perverted it. And men become dictators. And that's all they're in the, in the ministry for is to get money. But it's my duty to tell you the word of God and the truth about it. So you can be blessed. Because if I don't tell you, you will stay in poverty. I've got to tell you the truth about money. About sowing. About giving. Come on, and if I don't, then I've got blood on my hands. I don't want nobody to have to be on food stamps. I don't want nobody to have to live off the government. If you if you if you pray to God and He give you a revelation of the spirit of giving and you start sowing seeds, you'll get off government help. I'm not against government help, but I'm telling you, you don't have to stay on it. If you'll allow him to be your provider by you doing your part. Amen. Brother Henry Green, God rest his soul. He was a man that was a missionary. Some of you knew him. He's a man that was a missionary. Brother Dwayne Jackson comes, Brother Mike and Sister Angie's son-in-law. He was kin to Brother Henry. And uh, he's the one that started the church there that's in Ruth, Brother Joe Green. That was his father. And he was a missionary-minded man. And he was a giving, giving, giving man. And his, his request at his funeral, he died right after uh, my first sister Robin died. He died in 1989. And his request at his funeral was for them to take up an offering. I was there. Matter of fact, I got fired from my job for going to his funeral. They wouldn't let me off to go to his funeral. I said, well, I don't work here no more. Because I'd known the man all my life. And I was going to the funeral. So I lost my job over that, but God gave me a better one. So I was sitting there. And Brother Billy Andrews was doing the service. And he said, this man's last, not last request, but his request at his funeral was to lift an offering for missions. He says, so we're going to start with $100 bills only. I was sitting there. I watched it with my own two eyes. He said, if you ain't got a $100 bill, stay seated. $100 bills only. Well, here they come. All the $100 bills, I guess, in the building was done. He said, now 50s. And went all the way down. To ones. And took up an offer at that man's funeral. That's the first time and the last time I've ever seen that done. But even in this man's death, he wanted people to know that he had a revelation of giving to God. We want God to provide? Well, he's made a way. But what we want to do is just sit on the couch, sit on the recliner, kick back with a sub sandwich and iced tea or whatever you eat and drink and wait on the blessings to fall. I used to go to my daddy and I only did it a few times. Hey daddy, can I have, you know, back then it was a buck or, you know, two bucks or even a quarter. A quarter would buy something when I was eight years old. See, you Generation X, you want to stoop down to pick up a quarter, but I do. Because yeah. four of them equals a the dollar. Yes, and then them dollars add up. I, I was raised that, that, that kind of way. And so I, I go to my dad and say, hey, dad, can I have a couple bucks? He said, go mow the grass. He didn't send hand out money for no reason kids today go to the they don't hand out cash today we're handing out credit cards and and, and then the child has no concept at the end of the month a bill's coming in they think that it's an endless piece of plastic (laughs) now you don't even have to insert it just touch it and four lights it's gone through this Generation X, you know, that, that's all they know. They don't know about a $5 bill or $10 bill. They just get the credit card. you talking about spoil. If I had a credit card when I was 16, Katie barred the door. I'd have, I'd have drove home in a brand new Mustang. Bless God you trust me with it. I'm going to go buy some, my more. Now, I probably wouldn't have went through for a Mustang, but I'd have tried it. We want God to be the one that always, but see, you have to understand, Abraham had to go through the the avenue of obedience before God provided. There's something we've got to go through obedience before God provides. We can't just sit back and expect God just to shower us with blessings until we do our part. Hello, church. We've got to do our part. And we always expect, well, so-and-so, they got more money, so they'll give and they'll take care of the bills of the church. Mm. Let me tell you the statistics, the national statistics on churches. Mm. 10% of the congregation pays the bills of the church. One out of every 10 Mm. pay the bills of the church. That's sad. That's why some of you Mm. are at at the pay level that you're at. Because you're not in that 10%. This church ought to be 100%. I've preached it enough. All of you need, need, need. All of you should know by now that God works by a law. and You can't reap if you don't sow. You've got to provide for the provision you've got to make a walk of obedience before he provides. Yes. Abraham went all the way to the knife before God provided. Amen. You see what I'm saying? He had to go through that, all that, No doubt, I don't know what he's going through in his heart, thinking his have to plunge a knife in the heart of his son, but he had to go through that all the way up the hill in obedience to the word of God. Never said nothing to God about it. But through direct obedience, he did exactly what God told him to do. And that's when he became Jehovah Jireh. When obedience was in play. See, if my house is not in order, if I'm not in full obedience, God is not obligated. If I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing as a pastor and as a father and as a Christian, God is not obligated to me. There is a part we've got to play. There is things we've got to do as Christians. God did not call us to be lazy. We're not just supposed to be hearers of the word, we're supposed to be doers of the word. When I was a, when I was a paint contractor, painting houses, new houses, and new construction, and even remodels, whatever I could get, I didn't just sit at home and what, wait for the phone to ring. I went and knocked on doors. I went put out uh, uh, business cards. I went and put out flyers and mailboxes. I went and did, did my part to try to get the jobs. I know God can make the, the phone ring if he, if he wants to. But I've also got to do my part. I wasn't just going to sit at home and my, my wife, and uh, at that time it was just Austin and Alyssa, at that time just let them starve to death. Well, won't you get up and go try to find some work? No, God's my provider. He's going to send the work. No, I got to go talk to some builders. I got to go talk to some superintendents. I got to go talk to some people. I got to go try to find some work. I got to do my part. Because if a man don't provide for his own, he's worse than an infidel. You don't just sit at home and wait on the work to come in. If it does come in, thank God for it. But you don't just sit and wait on it. Hello, church. There's a part we've got to play, there's things we've got to do. That's why we teach our. Taught all five of our, our children when you get money from birthday, from Christmas, or whatever, you pay tithes on it. Any increase. See, some of the reasons some of you don't know, know, know the truth about tithes is because you wasn't taught right. Maybe your former pastor didn't teach you right. Any increase that you get, any increase, not just from your job, any increase. Abraham paid tithes on the spoils of a war. Not his crops. Not his vineyards. Not his cattle. The spoils of the war he paid tithes on. Why are y'all quiet? Brother then you're trying to get no more money. I, I'm trying to get you out of trouble with God. Because if you don't pay tithes and offerings, you become a robber and a thief to God. We want God to be our provider. He wants you to be a giver. Yes, sir. And a cheerful one at that. Amen. Can I get a witness? Amen. If you only knew how weak that clap was, it sounded like a bunch of fourth graders. Let's stand. No, I don't need more money. I got all the money I need. Because my God shall supply all my needs. All according to His riches. Because I was taught a principle and a concept as a small boy. Like I said, pastors are storytellers. And you have new people. The older ones know the stories. They get tired of hearing them. But we got new people that's never heard them. So, again, if you've heard it, clog your ears. I was in a, we was in the, in the church in downtown Atlanta, 1153 Ormwood Avenue. Brother Wilson Henry was the pastor. We had, we had a man from India that was a missionary to his own people. Went from village to village in India preaching the gospel on a bicycle. Made in 1969. This was around 1983, 84, somewhere along in there. And it just so happened to be that the pastor was also my brother-in-law. And when you're family to the pastor, you kind of get brought into things. Picked on. Just comes with the territory. So, the brother gives his testimony. He preached the word. He got done. He turned it over to Brother Henry. Brother Henry gets up. After we had heard the brother's testimony about riding this bicycle that was made in 1969, what that make it? 15, 16 years, 17 years old? Whatever it was. 15 years old. And this is what he's riding, traveling from, from, from village to village to preach the gospel on this bicycle. Rickety old bicycle. So me and Jonathan are sitting back there somewhere close to where Brother Mike and Sister Andy are sitting. In the church, we're standing side by side. And so Brother Wilson says, uh, Jonathan, Daniel, what do we do now? How many bicycles have y'all had in your lifetime? Now, he wasn't looking for an answer. He was just trying to make a point. How many bicycles we would had since we learned to ride a bike at five, six, seven years old. And I couldn't count. I didn't know how many it was. It has been several. And it hit me like an arrow through my heart. So after church, I went to my mother and I had some money saved up from cutting y- yards in the neighborhood, $65. I a lot of money to a 13-year-old kid back in 1983, that was a lot of money. And I saved it up and i give it to her because I knew I'd spend it because <laughs> I have that, that, that addiction. The money burns a hole in my pocket. So give it to somebody you're accountable to. And you tell them, if I ask for this, do not give it to me. Somebody that won't really, won't give it to you. So I give it to my mom. So after service, I went to her. I said, Mom, I said, you know that money I give to you? I said, I need it. She said, what for? I said, I want to buy that man a new bike. 12, 13 years old I said I want to spend the money because after service I went straight to Brother Hemery and I said ask that man how much it cost to buy a new bike and $65 would buy him a new bike so I told her I said write a check to the church for this purpose to buy this man a new bike so you know what By me buying that brother a bike, every soul, every soul that was won to the kingdom of God, I have a part of them. I have an interest. And one of these days, people, I don't talk their language. I've never met. I don't know. But they will approach me in eternity. And they will say, thank you for buying this brother a new bike so he could come and bring the gospel to our village and since that time God has given me a heart that just likes to give it's difficult for me to receive it's hard for me to receive for people to do something for me it's difficult for me to do that some people are just natural receivers mm-hmm. They're just looking, they, they go into a friendship looking for what they can get out of the friendship. Not what they can put into it. See, it's like a marriage, see. A friendship is like a marriage. You, you don't go, go into to it looking for what I can get out of it. You look for what I can put into it. And it's hard for me to, for somebody to do something for me. And I don't, I don't guess... This brother minds me saying this, but when my father passed, he left his pickup truck. And it hadn't been driven for years. It just sat on the driveway. And I tried for years to get mom to give it to me so I could fix it up because it was just deteriorating. And she just held on to that truck, because every time she went outside, it, remember, it reminded her of my dad. So she just wouldn't turn loose of it. Well, she got so bad with dementia that me and Jonathan just went ahead and split everything that was left. And uh, he he knew I wanted that truck, and so, so he let me have the truck. And it was my desire to totally redo the truck from bumper to bumper and make it look brand new and... Like it come off the showroom floor, do everything I had to do to make it drivable. And so I knew it needed certain things. And so it's brothers here that do those types of things, mechanic work and things like that. They offered their services and wouldn't take any money from me. And Brother Chris Moreland is in the process of of repainting the entire truck. Took the whole thing completely apart. Piece by piece. The whole interior. The bed of the truck. The hood. The doors. The carpet. The interior. Everything completely apart. And redoing it. And so I sent him a text last week. I said, tell me what I owe for this and that and the other. He said, brother... He said, you don't know nothing. I said, man, it's hard for me to take this because by nature, I'm just a giver. I can't help it. I like to see the glow on people's face when they receive something. I don't, I don't really know how to receive things. It's just difficult. And then you got people in your life that they just suck the life out mm-hmm. of you. I've had people sit under my ministry for 15, 16, 18 years and all they did was suck the life out of me. I have given friends thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars away and those people are not even here today. Most of them are out in the world and I invested thousands of dollars, paid their bills, gave them vehicles and I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you, but I did as, as unto the Lord and God has blessed me for it if you ever catch the revelation that God is your provider you'll catch the revelation that you have to be a giver you can't have one without the other you can't expect God just to give, 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 give give. because see God won't even give you salvation unless you give yourself you have to repent before he gives you salvation See, he gives to those that ask for it. Those that seek for it. Those that knock. There's something you got. You can't stand at the door and just wait on him to open the door. You've got to knock. You've got to seek. And you've got to ask. And then God will come on the scene and become Jehovah Jireh. And only then. Give me G. I got to, I got to liven up this crowd anytime you preach on this it just phew.
1: glory glory hallelujah since i lay my burdens is down well glory glory hallelujah since i laid my burdens down well glory glory
5: God bless you, Saints. I, uh, I want to uh, share something with you along the same line Brother Daniel preached on uh, this morning, God being our provider. Uh, this past week, uh, I, I did a lot of traveling over the road. Uh, actually, Monday morning, I picked up a vehicle uh, to drive during the week, and uh, it's a pretty new vehicle. I Actually had like eleven thousand miles on that vehicle, and I was saying, "Wow, this is good. I, I should have no problem with this." I picked up that vehicle about eight o 'clock I down the road. I was probably about on the uh, other side of 85 uh, where there's about you know eight lanes on one side and eight on the other side, and I was in that vehicle uh, on the HOV side. Uh, and I had a flat tire, and by only by the grace of God, I was a- able to merge again. It was like nine o'clock, uh, you know, nine thirty time frame, where the traffic is Everybody's running nine hundred miles an hour, seems yeah. dope. I was able to merge over, and it pinned me all the way to the wall on the other side because there's no other way to pull off onto the guardrail. There was a guardrail there, and I pulled off, and I ca- I got as close to that guardrail that I can possibly get to. They keep anyone from running into me, Uh, and and looking at the traffic and everything that's going on, it it, it practically scared me to death. Uh, So I immediately called back to uh, let the enterprise know that hey, I got a flat tire, I need help. They said you are in danger. I said yes, I'm in danger. They said you need to call 911. I called 911. 911 told me, say, if you're on the side of the road, then you need to call 511. <laughs> I called 511. 511 said, hey, we don't have anybody. We don't have a Hercules available to send to you. You need to call the police. I, you need to call 911. <laughs> Here I am stuck in a vehicle where I can't even open the door. If I open the door, it gonna, the, the cars coming by will, will tear the door off. Thanks to God, I, I, you know, fear, yeah, I was very fearful. I was very scared, intense. I sit there with my seatbelt on. I called my wife because I I just didn't know what was going to happen by the time help did come. I I called my wife and told her, I'm stuck on the road and the cars are running by me real fast and I I just don't know what's going to happen. I called my boss and told him, hey, the same thing. Thanks to God, I sat in that vehicle for three hours, tense, waiting for someone, waiting for something to hit me because it was just that close. Every vehicle passed by me. I can feel the the, the, the vehicle trembling. And, and, And again, as I sit there and I'm praying within myself, it was only by the mercy and the grace of God. I know God was with me and kept me because from the first time when I when I sat there, I was so scared I was about to go into a hyperventilation because it was it was just waiting for an accident to happen. Three hours is a long time to be sitting in that condition. Nobody never came. For three hours, the enterprise people sent a record uh and he was the one that came and picked me up after three hours of sitting there and i want to according to you know what brother daniel was preaching on this morning god is our provider he provided me safety you know when the police didn't come when the uh heroes uh, uh uh rescue heroes did not come nobody came but god was there to provide for me so i just thank the lord because I could have been in the mall. I, I could have been laying in, in the mall just just today. And and, and, and i say this quickly and I'll move on. And even after that, I was able to go back, uh, and got a ride I had to go back to the Enterprise uh, place to get another vehicle. I was on my way to Asheville, North Carolina. And by the time I got back to, to the airport to get another vehicle, there was a hurricane, a tornado or something that was touching down. So I end up in the middle of that, going to Asheville, North Carolina. I end up getting to North, North Carolina about 10.30 that night. And and I, I just thank the Lord for keeping me in there because it was it was a bad, bad, bad storm Monday evening, Monday evening of this past week. And the Lord uh, uh, was had brought me through through safely, and I am so thankful that God was with me to take me through all that. I, I travel almost a whole, about a thousand miles this week from there back to Huntsville, Alabama, and all the way back around, and you know, God did bring me back home safely, and I'm able to be here to tell you it's only by the mercy and the grace of the good Lord that I'm here, because that was the accident, yeah. waiting to have me.
4: you ever been on 85 or 285 or 75 or any of those fives and you're at that median wall and you got cars i mean they ain't enough room to spit and you can feel the car shakes every time a car goes by you and sit there for three hours and i i i've been a georgia boy all my life i know how these idiots drive and for nobody to hit him in three hours that's a miracle that's a miracle because when I have to go those ways I'm the only one knows how to drive y'all hear me everybody else got their license at Walmart they're just crazy and like he said driving 900 miles an hour run you over like you in reverse and you doing eighty yourself, and you know you left your angel back there. And I get in the flesh, I do. I have to admit, especially since God gave me this Mustang. And listen at him putting it on God. They go by me that fast. I said, uh uh. Some of you just disowned me as a pastor just then. Just, no more. He's no longer my pastor. God is good to us. Amen. I'm gonna tell you, my friend, for us to to see the ages that some of us have seen and some of the things we've been through. When you get news what we got Friday Friday evening. Young man didn't reach forty. Some of you was here when Justin came. And he sat right there. And he loved me. He loved me. And he would amen and he would clap. And he would amen and he would clap. And he would pull on the word. And there was something on on the inside of him that was hungering. There's just some people in life that just get distracted. Mm. I can't explain it. It ain't up to me explain it. But I've done a lot of funerals in my time. Probably more than my share. And a lot of people wanna know where they're at. It's not my business. They're in the hands of a just God. So in my prayer time, Mm -hmm. since he passed, I got three hours sleep last night. I was up almost all last night just searching and trying to find the mind of God. And if you search long enough, you'll find him. If you stay long enough, he'll meet you there. Don't get up too soon. The Bible says, wait on the Lord. And he'll renew your strength, but you gotta wait sometimes. Sometimes it might be an hour, sometimes it might be two. And we're so busy, we don't have that much time anymore. Mm -hmm. But when you're desperate... And you know there's a mother over there in Aniston, Alabama that is grieving to the depths of her heart. And you know that she's dependent on you as her shepherd to touch the heart of God and give her just a crumble, a morsel of hope to give her some comfort. God has given me three words. Three different things to preach at that funeral that I had never even thought of. I never even preached. I preached about the stories, but not to the degree that the Lord opened my eyes to. We get in a... Message believers have a bad habit of looking on the outside of people and judging them. We got a bad habit of looking at somebody that don't look like they should look or look like we think they should look or act like we think they should act or do like we think they should do. Y'all need to say amen. 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 And then automatically we cut them off. We take them out of the kingdom of God. There's no hope. They're not bride material. What makes you think you are? and God this morning God took me to the prodigal son and the prodigal left home he left church he left everything his daddy had taught him He took his inheritance and he went out wine, women and song lived it up spent every dime that his father gave him ended up broke Ended up in the hog pen. Nobody around him. Nobody to see him. Nobody to watch him. Nobody to look at him but hogs. And nobody knew that that's where he repented. How do we know what's in the heart of a person? Nobody knew that boy repented and came to himself in the hog pen because nobody was around to see him all they all they knew he was eating with pigs so he must be a hog but that's where he repented that's where he came to himself we look at a man like legion snapping chains in half scaring people and ripping his clothes off and running around naked in the tombs and thinking there's no hope for this man he's a demoniac he's demon possessed But the Bible says he spent the night in the tombs Crying Something in him Searching For more than he had God rebuked his prophet Samuel and said I don't look at man like you look at man I look on the heart of man We have no idea what goes on In in the last few seconds Of a person's life we have no right to judge nobody. We try to judge them by their past life and what they did and what they didn't do. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You've got no right. How long did it take you to become a Christian? As long as it took you to repent. How long did it take them to repent? That's how long it took them to become a Christian. That gives me hope. So it's no, none of our job to put anybody anywhere. Nobody's. They did this, they didn't No, oh, no, no. You leave that in the hands of a just God. You just make sure you make it. Amen. I got the funeral arrangements, so I'm going to give them to you, and then we'll post them later. It will be at Benefield Funeral Home in Wedowie, Alabama. The burial will be in Wedowie in as well right close to where Brother Wesley is buried. The uh, viewing, they'll be receiving friends at 10 o'clock Tuesday, August the 11th. That's not right. It's not August the 11th, because today's the 13th. It's the 15th. August the 15th. At, they'll be receiving friends at 10. The funeral will be at 11. Um, you people know that we Supply food for the family when they lose, lose a loved one. I know, I know this week is a busy week. I realize that. But, but this takes precedent. Some of y'all didn't hear me. This takes precedent. The singing the banquet on the back burner. This takes precedent. There are grieving loved ones. Okay? So some of you sisters, there will be a text sent out for helping to prepare a meal for the family. They do have a large family. Um, so some of the sisters are, are, are going to be going uh, to help serve and that they'll be preparing a meal to serve about a hundred people after the burial. So if you would just continue to hold the family up before the Lord. I know you have, I know I know you will continue to do so. Those of you here that have lost children, you, you know what Sister Brenda's going through. I don't know. All I know is what I've seen my mother go through. And it tore me in pieces to see my mother go through losing her child, and then another child, and then another child, and then another child. And the grief is beyond explanation. Sister Sean Sh- Sister tried to explain to Sister Lisa how, how bad her mom was mm-hmm. in grieving, and words can't express it.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: When you know that your baby boy, mm-hmm. you'll never talk to him again. Never seen him again in this life. He was living with her at the time. Seeing her every day. Those days are over. So if you would, just sincerely. I'm not saying just the passing by the Lord touches through. I mean sincerely hold them up before the Lord. That God would give them the peace to, that we sang about as I walked out. Let the peace of God that passeth all understanding touch them and give them strength and comfort. Jesus can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. Jesus knows grief because he wept. The Bible didn't say he just shed a tear. He wept at the tomb of his friend Lazarus. See, he knows and understands. And I'm glad he does. I'm glad he does. We'll sing that again. I'll turn it over, Brother Brian. Glory,
1: glory,
4: hallelujah,
1: since I've laid my burdens down, well glory, we glory. Hallelujah. Since I've laid my burdens down, well I am feeling.
2: regards to the weekend coming up Um, so we're expecting quite a few people Sunday Um, just between the youth banquet kids and our church that's 400 plus so the sanctuary the two Sunday school rooms and the vestibule will be for the youth and their guests their chaperones or whatever so we will have nearly 250 chairs set up In the fellowship hall, we already have two televisions out there um, with a live feed in real time. So um, if you could remember that for Sunday morning, if you're part of Word of Life, you'll just report out there. We'll have deacons here and we'll have, I guess, acting deacons out there, people in charge. Um, And then we'll have to designate somebody to disconnect cables and stuff as soon as service is over. Um, But if you can remember that. Now pastor did say the other night um, some of the some of our elderly saints here if they want to sit in the church we'll allow that we'll have them back you know in one of the the rooms in the back if they'd prefer to be here um, versus out there but other than that everybody else I know it's going to be different um, but we just want to treat our visitors as good as we can and since the weekend is for the youth we want the youth to be in here in the sanctuary um, so if you could remember that, I don't know if there was anything else. Brother Cammie, anything else that I need to announce? That's it, okay. All right, so as Pat. The t Yes, the t-shirts again, Sister Sharon Rose will have those in the vestibule, I believe, after service. Um, so if you could remember that if you ordered one, she'll have those for you. Um, as Pastor said, it is a busy week, but we, we do hold up Sister Brenda and the family that is definitely the more important thing because they are they are our family. Amen. You know, and when somebody hurts, we all hurt. And I, I didn't know Justin well, but I did know him, and he was always a nice, nice young guy, um, just two years younger than me. So that kind of, you know, hits home. So let's just hold them up, as pastor said. Hold them up sincerely in our prayers, not just a passing prayer. Amen. Um, we'll sing this. We'll be dismissed service this evening at 430. He abides. Key of if.
0: I'm rejoicing night and day as I walk the pilgrim way and the God in all my life I see and the reason of my bliss yes the secret all is this that the comforter abides with me. He abides. He abides, Hallelujah! He abides with me. I'm rejoicing night and day as I walk in the narrow way. For the Comforter abides with me. Oh, He abides, He abides. And day as I walk the narrow way, the comforter abides with me one more time. He abides, he abides, hallelujah, he abides with me, hallelujah. He abides, He abides, hallelujah, He abides with me, I'm rejoicing night and day as I walk in their way, abides with me, He abides, He abides, hallelujah, He abides with me, we hey. hey. hey.